Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. And um, it's a we're recording on Monday afternoon. It is just short of 4.15 on the East Coast. And things are, um, things are moving quickly. Things are moving very quickly, particularly in Stillwater for the Oklahoma State football program. We will get to that in just a moment. We will also get to some of the developments out of Iowa as a strength and conditioning coordinator has been relieved of his duties. Uh, what happened to Clemson over the weekend and... I mean, if I if we get to it, I've got. I think we got a pretty fun exercise taking a look at the scene of quarterbacks uh, throughout college football. But we begin in Stillwater with Chuba Hubbard, the nation's leading returning rusher, uh, a, a Heisman Trophy candidate, the most influential player in the Oklahoma State football program, retweeting a photo initially tweeted shout out. Kyle Boone, college football, college basketball writer at CBS Sports and Oklahoma State aficionado along with Kyle Porter. Kyle Boone shared a photo of Mike Gundy post-fishing trip uh, wearing a t-shirt that's of the One America News Network OAN. You, If you've been following Mike Gundy during this offseason, including during his um, discussion about why players need to return as soon as possible for the economy of the entire state of Oklahoma, then you will remember him mentioning that as uh, one of his new favorite news networks. So Kyle Boone tweets the photo. Chuba Hubbard retweets the photo and says, I will not stand for this. This is completely insensitive to everything going on in society, and it's unacceptable. I will not be doing anything with Oklahoma State until things, all caps, change. Since then, best defensive player has chimed in. Since then, a spokesperson for the offensive line has said, as an offensive line, we stand and support Chuba. We've also got uh, former players, including Justice Hill and others, that have been weighing in. And I wonder, as we're sitting here at 415, if Mike Gundy is going to need the outspoken support of his players to keep his job beyond uh what the next month the next week like what how, how quickly did things move here for this oklahoma state football program well I, so first of all what was it is it back in april when he had the oan press conference yes uh, i think so yeah and who would have thought when we were naming oklahoma the oan national champions that <laughs> The, the allegiance would backfire so dramatically just a couple months later. Um, I, I think it's, it's – so, A, this is obviously sort of a movement now. Not, not just with Oklahoma State, but I think Marvin Wilson started at Florida State. Iowa. Chuba Hubbard, I'm sure yeah, – Iowa. Um, Chuba Hubbard, uh, I'm sure, sort of found his voice at, in watching those two – movements take place uh this is i don't want to say a new reality but a new this is a this this is present now and 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 a 
a threat to all coaches moving forward that look if they're not um, meeting the approval of their team this this could happen and I do think that this only happens like we're still in a position where like this this is the, the reason Chuba Hubbard felt secure in making a statement like that is because he's Chuba Hubbard is because Chuba Hubbard if he gets if he gets benched like Mike Gundy needs Chuba Hubbard more than Chuba Hubbard needs Mike Gundy. Mm-hmm. If, if Chuba Hubbard gets benched this year, he'll get drafted in the spring, and maybe he's a third rounder instead of the, a second rounder. That that that's sort of the extent of it. Whereas if he doesn't play, Mike Gundy's and Barton Simmons's playoff hopes are are kind of down the drain. So it's still a unique situation, and yet, like you asked, like sort of, I don't know what your question was specifically, but it was, it was sort of like, are we lo- witnessing the beginning of Mike Gundy's departure. I think we're as we sit here today at three central time on a on Monday, we're still a ways away from that. But it that's dependent on what comes out. Like you can't like Mike Gundy can't be asked to resign for wearing an OAN shirt. As funny as that sort of would be, like like comedically speaking, like that's not I don't think that's a reality, but the but to your point, you, there's other guys popping up now that are saying things, and Chuba Hubbard probably isn't posting about change just because he wore an AOAN shirt. Right. This is probably symptomatic of a lot of issues. And so once now that this the seal has been broken, it's going to be really interesting to see what else people say, what issues are there. And and are those issues going to be ones that are are not easily resolved? Because here the other thing is like when you think about the Marvin Wilson thing, Marvin Wilson saw his new coach post a misleading like like give a misleading quote to the media, and Marvin Wilson doesn't really know Mike Norvell that well. Marvin Wilson is more of a central figure at Florida State than Mike Norvell is our at this point Marvin Wilson has plenty of leverage himself so Marvin Wilson can be like whoa 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 I just met you bro like what are you saying that's not gonna fly this is sort of different this yeah. isn't like Chuba Hubbard being like hmm this looks like a miscommunication that, that, that I'm not gonna let stand uh l- l- we better get to know each other before you go out there wearing OAN shirts this is like he he like there is a relationship there of three years that is is informing his decision to speak out, which is probably not the best sign when you're thinking about Mike Gundy's um, locker room and 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 where things stand. Yeah, this is uh, the shirt is a symptom. It's not the disease. It's it's just like the you know or the proverbial straw that might have broken the camel's back. It's I there's so much of the response I've seen is like, well, if he was wearing a CNN T-shirt, would this be a big deal? And it's not. It would the be a huge thing. deal if Mike Gundy's wearing a CNN T-shirt. I don't believe it. I think that's fake news. <laughs> but I mean, here I'm gonna like. There's a difference between what OAN is and what Fox, MSNBC, and CNN are. Like, I don't watch Fox News. I don't watch MSNBC News. I don't watch CNN. Or actually, I I do. The only time I would ever watch any of those networks is if there's a debate 
and it's only being shown on that network because I treat those networks the same way I treat ESPN. I watch ESPN for live sporting events. I don't watch any of the other crap on ESPN. I don't need to hear people's opinions on anything. And that's how I view those news networks because they're TV networks with time to kill. And we found that when that happens, there's not always facts to share for 24 hours. You need, you need people yelling about things. So you lose a little reality, no matter which network you want to choose. So like if you're on the left side, you think Fox is, you know, crazy right propaganda. If you're on the right, you think MSNBC is crazy left propaganda. And if you're just a normal human being, you just look at CNN and shake your head. OAN is well past all three of them because OAN is not really a news outlet as much as it is like, uh, (laughs) I don't know the proper word. It's like a conspiracy site in a lot of ways. It presents things as facts, whereas like maybe a, a news outlet, like a legitimate one will take facts and maybe put a spin on it. That's more to their desired angle. OAN takes things and just, that might be true, might not be true, probably aren't true, most people know aren't true, and then presents them as facts. And it's dangerous because it's misleading stuff. But more than anything, it's the fact that Mike Gundy is wearing that shirt and some of the things that that network or outlet, and I use these terms in quotes, have said about things like the Black Lives Matter movement where they're calling it a domestic terrorism organization. So... If you are an African-American player on Oklahoma State and you sit there and see your coach is wearing the shirt of somebody who thinks that, you know, believing that Black Lives Matter makes them a terrorist, that's probably going to rub them the wrong way. And if there are other things that have been happening and you just look at the current situation of the last month or so of the world and country that we live in. Where players, I mean, it's crazy in real time. Players are starting to realize how much power they've actually had, even though for years they they might have had it, but they never really were sure. And they were kind of, you know, tepid about using that power and seeing what they could get with it. They're kind of starting to realize, oh, wow, no, we actually have a lot of power and a lot of leverage. Even if we're not being paid, they still need us to help make the money. And they're got access to using their voice and they're seeing that, you know, opening up and being honest or at least sharing what they experience can benefit them. And it's clear that with what Chuba said and then how quickly so many of his current teammates and former Oklahoma State players jumped out to echo his sentiments and support them that there's something going on at Oklahoma state that we are not privy to behind the scenes that the players definitely seem to have a problem with that the players have definitely been talking to each other about for years. This isn't new to them and they're bringing it to light and chip, whether it leads to Mike Gundy losing his job, I don't know. I think we're going to need to see what comes out of this, but I would say that the odds of Mike Gundy losing his job on Monday afternoon are a lot higher than they were when we woke up on Monday morning. He shouldn't lose his job because of a t-shirt and he no. shouldn't, he shouldn't lose his job because of uh, whatever news outlet he chooses to watch. And he shouldn't lose his job even based on, you know, whatever he chooses to believe. But if he cannot be trusted as a leader in the locker room, well then the administration has a reason to doubt whether or not he should have that job because the, I mean, this is fascinating to me that it's happened in college football because the power dynamic has always been so overwhelming in the hands of these coaches. And if these players had felt like they were made uncomfortable or if they felt like there have been not one big 
not one statement, not one incident, not one comment on the practice field a couple years ago, but if it's just been day after day or just a whole bunch of just small, very nuanced instances uh, that have created an environment that make these players feel uncomfortable right now they do have an opportunity much like marvin wilson much like the iowa players to stand up and be like ah we don't want to stand for this anymore and like dude barton you mentioned the comedy factor in this how about remember like mike gundy saying that social media in general is just for people to bitch about their problems and it's like the worst thing ever. And he had that little clip where he like came to the mic and was like, Pfft. and everybody was like, oh, that's cute. Mike Gundy, he's being funny. Uh, no, it's like, no, actually this social media can be very powerful. Social media has now disrupted your football program in a huge way. And it's like, now it's on Mike Gundy. Like, I, I don't know where to set the odds on Mike Gundy and his future with Oklahoma State. Will he be, what, what would the, the like offshore books would give you the odds like, will he be head coach for game one, 2020? Like it, that could be being set right now by an odds maker somewhere. And I, I don't know which way I would lean on that, but I do think that right now all the responsibility is on him because if he can't get the team behind him, then regardless of his political views or his uh, choice of t-shirt, he is going to, it is going to be doubtful as to whether or not he's the person to lead that program. Just, so like there like a couple coat guys are starting to um, tweet out like some of the you know accusations um, so to speak like Pat Macon tweeted I was threatened I was going to get sent back to the hood numerous times Elsie um, Greenwood a guy that's transferred out just said I was called a hood rat and thug on multiple occasions being threatened to be sent back home. All because wearing a do rag and sleeveless shirts. Like this is this is going to, um, I guess, escalate. Uh, this is going and, and and like the the interesting thing is how is Mike Gundy? Because like all those things you just said, Chip. Like this sort of oh the new generation that you know like the, he's he's the, the anti transfer guy. Like you know all this, this, these guys won't. You know, they don't stick it out like they used to. And they, these these new people getting on social media these days and these new, like all, all this sort of... He uses the uh, word snowflake unironically. Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and so how does a guy that like that per, like even perceive and, and consume this sort of a threat to his, I mean, job security, his... Uh, authority in the program. Um, I don't know. It's a little bit. I. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know what to expect. I mean, Mike Gundy's not the most predictable guy in any sense. So maybe he does come back and he sort of acknowledges some failures in 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 the culture here and and addresses them. And or maybe he's just like, you know what? If I can't run the program the way I'm, you know, should be able to run the program. Someone else can do it. I, I that wouldn't shock me either. I, I just don't know. This is going to be a really interesting um, response uh, because there's got to be some sort of response from Oklahoma State. I get the sense that, like, if Chuba Chuba Hubbard in particular is obviously going to be the focus of this. Uh, if Chuba Hubbard decided to come back and play at Oklahoma State 
And if he was as excited about the prospects of the 2020 season, then I am will like I am at least going to entertain the idea that there has been some positive foundation of relationship created there. And I think we talked about it with Iowa. I'm I'm trying to be better about assuming what is or isn't a good culture. Like I, I think that's probably one of my big lessons that I'm trying to take forward. But I I would think that Mike Gundy at least should have the avenue to be able to have those conversations. And there's not specific, um, you know, there's not specific lists that we have right now, Tube Hubbard, uh, in terms of what he would like to see change. But man, Mike Gundy, like I, I, I would say that now, uh, now would be a great time if you haven't already to just go in there and, uh, and, and, tr- and try to earn trust, try to, try to, um, let them know that you're, if there are shortcomings, that you can admit to them and that you can start to pave a path. Like I, I don't like Kirk Ferentz didn't lose his job, right? Like Chris Doyle got let go today. Um, press conference earlier day at Iowa. Seems like Kirk Ferentz is, is still going to be able to participate in the path to improvement at Iowa, or at least that is the stated goal from the Iowa athletic director and the, uh, and Kirk Ferentz. Don't you think that if Kirk Ferentz, based on that huge pile of allegations that we saw at Iowa, I I like to think again, Mike Gundy's very unpredictable, and like your your guess that he might just hang it up is is absolutely uh, one of the possibilities that I'm entertaining. But if if he does come, if he comes to the players and he's able to earn their trust and their support and their respect, there is a path for this to be. Um, for this to be something that doesn't break so poorly when it does seem like an overwhelming series of negative headlines right now. Don't you think? Yeah. And it's ultimately, I mean, with Iowa, the situation at Iowa was a lot of the allegations or complaints from current and former players were directed at Chris Doyle. They weren't directed at Kirk Ferentz. So he survived simply because the allegations were against him. Plus he made the steps that the players wanted to see take place where, you know, he's they've, they've announced that new players committee that they have and they're, you know, making changes to the culture. And Chris Doyle has been, you know, he's gone. They had their quote unquote separation agreement, which they announced on Monday. So, yeah, it's a lot of it's going to depend on the allegations or whatever any Oklahoma State player says is happening, who they're saying is doing it and whether Mike Gundy is aware of it or if he's the person doing it and, you know, to what level that's gone to. And like you said, how he reacts to it. Like Kirk Ferentz said, okay, wow, I hear you. There need to be changes. We're going to work on making changes. If Gundy comes out and says, oh, wow, I hear you. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I didn't realize this was happening. I'm going to, we're going to make changes. I'm going to try to do better. We're all going to try to do better. Then yeah, he'll probably keep his job. But like you said, if he does the whole, you know, oh, these, you know, kids today, you know, in the social media and the snowflakes and they need to toughen up and blah, blah, blah. It might not go as well. No. So the, but what's interesting about Chuba's statement is, I will not stand for this. This is completely insensitive of everything going on in society, and it's unacceptable. I will not be doing anything with Oklahoma State until things change. There, there is no definition for change. There. I know. Like what, like what does change even mean? Um, and so there, that's a, that's a fascinating question. What does change mean? What, what, what are the uh, what are the demands of, uh, of of Chuba Hubbard and the Oklahoma State football team of their head coach at this point? I mean, that 
conversation is the most important conversation in for the future of Oklahoma State football. All right, Chuba. Well, what's up? I mean, is it is it going to be a, a long sort of list? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to speculate on that, but you're 100% right because without a definition on it, it can mean as little as uh, a conversation and a promise of good faith. It could mean as much as a change at the head coaching position, and I've got no idea which way this goes. And maybe it means like like all these co- all these programs around the country are are have taking marches to the city to the state capitol, and they're registering voters, and they're having um, speakers, and they're you know they're discussing the civil unrest and social issues, and like there's they're sort of responding to the current times and maybe it's as simple as just like i i can't really envision mike gundy doing much of that in stillwater right now maybe maybe i've missed it i don't know but yeah maybe maybe chuba hubbard is just like you know all these programs are addressing this are acknowledging this and our head coach is burying his head in the sand like you know maybe that's all it takes i don't i don't know It'll, it'll be interesting Speaking of uh, coaches getting involved with marches, uh, co- coalition of Clemson players led uh, an activity in Clemson on Saturday evening, a Black Lives La- Black Lives Matter rally. It included Dabo Sweeney taking some time at the mic. They had a full presentation. It was well covered. It was well attended. I find that especially as we're sitting here comparing it to Oklahoma State, when we were discussing Dabo Sweeney, it seemed like there were a whole lot of Clemson players, both current and former, that were speaking out with with stories of his support for players. Has he? Um, what What'd you make of the uh, the student activism and the coach activism in Clemson over the weekend? Well, I mean, good for the players for standing up and doing what they believe in. As for the reaction with Dabo, yeah, the the fact that his players are still out there supporting him and his players aren't, you know, saying, like, there were mistakes made and maybe, like, if we talked about, Dabo could have handled the situation differently. But all in all, you know, it's one mistake compared to what the players obviously feel like has been a lot of good and a lot of love and a lot of, you know, other good nurturing things within that program. So that's going to, you that balances it out or, you know, it more than balances it out. So the fact that they're doing that, they feel that way and they're able to move forward and have that rally, I think that that's pretty much kind of, you know, I don't, there's nothing bad to say about it. There's nothing, it's just the way it should be. If the players want to have that, then they should be allowed to do it. And if their coaches are willing to support them while they're doing it, that's fantastic because I guarantee you that not every coach and not every player at Clemson has the same political views or has the same political goals for what's going to happen, but they're all working together to let the players and people say what they want. And that's what we're supposed to be able to do. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, I don't have much to add. I think it's, um, do you chip? I think that there's, um, I think it's an interesting position. I don't want to I don't want to put this right on Dabo Sweeney specifically, but there is just a sea change in college football in general. You know, we've mentioned in previous podcasts about how, you know, the the play the power dynamic and how players have never had more power and how 
young people all across the country just seem to be a little bit different, a little, little bit bolder um, than maybe was expected of them, especially at such a young age. And I think that there is an element of this where you've got to consider as a coach at high level college football that you you either got to get on board with this like player first mindset or you're going to get left in the dust because I mean Lincoln Riley has been very outspoken about trying to be a part of positive change and stand and support his players. Uh, Tom Herman has been very outspoken and supported his players who are calling for change at the University of Texas. Former Oklahoma State offensive coordinator, uh, Mike Yersich, at Texas right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was supporting the players who are asking for change at the University of Texas. I don't want to say that it's a recruiting move because I don't want to allege bad faith anywhere. But I do think that what we've seen is a total sea change in the power dynamic and the coaches that are the coaches who are not already standing um, from a place of a player first mentality already. If you're not there yet, then you're going to get left in the dust and it might not cost you your job. But I just think that it's a page is turned and whatever that old school um Whatever that old school approach is, it's it's very very quickly uh, going out the window in college football, at least by my estimation. Yeah, I think uh, I mean if you listen to just sort of what's emerging from the Oklahoma State and Iowa stuff, it's really it's it's stuff like it's not blatant outward racist stuff. It's just it's it's more stuff that has been more defined in this like old school tough guy coach where you know the only way you can make the only way that you can get them to be any good is to just like demean them and that's that has been and i've been i've said this for a while like i've i've said like that the game is trending towards good human beings being the best coaches and that and that's not to say that the guy like that there's bad human beings because they're they could be demeaning to their players but I do think that the game is moving towards a player-coach model in the sense of meaningful relationships. Uh, players aren't going to be responsive to a demeaning atmosphere because, what, like, that's not necessary. Like, they've, they've, there's been a discovery, I think, a realization that that's not necessary to get the best. You can still coach someone hard. You can still hold people accountable. You can still be disciplined. But – the demeaning atmosphere just is no longer necessary, and never not maybe, maybe never was. It was just more commonplace, and and I think now players are are sort of demanding that to be the case. At Ohio State, they have returned to player activities, and we saw a good bit of conversation from the Columbus Dispatch's reporting of the. Uh, COVID-19 waiver that Ohio State football players were asked to sign before they began, again, voluntary team activities, but still school-sanctioned activities. The The waiver as it's built has a, has a couple pieces to it. Uh, number one, it's a set of guidelines that it is asking these players to pledge to follow both in and out of the facilities. It's also asking the players to submit themselves to regular testing, it asks that they participate, quote, fully and honestly with the contact tracing that the medical professionals are going to um, 
are going to provide and are going to participate in. It also is an acknowledgement of risk that even if you follow all of the um, protocols within the waiver that you might get, you might contract COVID-19 while participating in a team activity, voluntary or uh, mandatory as it might come later in the season. Did, did these waivers and this, I mean, I don't want to like, jump on this conversation. Did this, did this waiver draw any attention from y'all? And, uh, how, how'd you interpret some of the conversations surrounding it? It, it drew my attention simply because there were so many people talking about it when, when the news first broke of it existing. And by the way, since, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's SMU also has done it. I think the Dallas morning news, was, there was a report that SMU has handed out similar waivers. Uh, Adam Rittenberg from ESPN talked to Tom Mars, you know, the attorney who helped players get like, you know, with transfer waivers and that kind of stuff in recent years now works for the NCAA. He read the, he read the waiver and to quote, he said, the form isn't a waiver in any sense of the word at most. It's an acknowledgement of an intuitively obvious risk. From my perspective, I wouldn't consider the form to have any legal significance. So, it's not like a, you're signing away your ability to sue us if you get sick kind of deal. Now, the question becomes whether it's legal or not, or like saying if it's a legal waiver saying players can't sue them, is part of the intent to the least players think that that's what it is? So that way, if they do get it, they don't think they can sue the school. Because if you look at the reaction from a lot of people who aren't lawyers, you know, media people who are our colleagues who read it, they kind of thought that's what it was, even though that's not what it is. So if they're thinking it is, maybe the players are probably going to think it is. Maybe the players' parents might think it is because not all of us understand the law or our lawyers or have that kind of background. So it's not a legal thing, but there is some room to wonder if, maybe an ulterior motive behind them isn't, isn't with that in mind. Yeah. The, I just like, there was, um, Dan Wolken and there's some others that maybe tweet something similar. Dan Wolken tweeted something to the fact of like, if, if I was a parent, I would never, if I was an athlete or a parent or an athlete, I would never sign this. And, I don't. I just don't know what that's supposed to mean. I'm, I, does that mean like you? I would you sign like, it because it doesn't mean anything, right? And even, <laughs> but even if it did mean something, like what are you like? What are you prepared? Like what stand are you prepared to make? Like if if know. players like are players willing to for and look I, and again like if players are out here, I'm I'm sort of more curious as much as anything. But like are players willing? All I can speak of is for myself. And look, when you're a, a high school kid, yeah, I, I understand this, or a college kid, I understand sometimes you have to be protected from yourself a little bit. Um, like I would have played with any injury regardless of what it might have meant for my future because like you don't really think long-term like that. And like so players are going to want to play and they're going to sign whatever they have to sign to play. I guess what I'm curious is, does, is are, are there people out there that are are wouldn't sign this and would would or not and whatever not sign this but just would 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 risk not playing at all to make sure that you are safe from covid or more safe from covid because to me like 
there like there is a level of risk you take in playing football regardless like the for a lot of these guys this football this year of football is an opportunity to continue to build a resume for your professional career i just like what's the what is the alternative right. from accepting the risk of playing with 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 covid so i think that this is interesting because I think it is a glimpse into the future. I think that there will be some fans in some stadiums, and I think there's a non-zero chance that there are listeners of this podcast who are going to be some of those fans in stadiums, and I think every one of those fans is going to sign a similar waiver. I went, I had to sign one to go to the pool. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll take, I'll, I'll say some of our listeners probably work in offices at companies and they haven't been working in their offices for the last few months. And I would bet that when they go back to the office, they'll be signing yeah. a similar waiver. I was glad that I'd had the experience of going to the pool once. I wrote the story for CBSSports.com. And in the story, I did mention uh, as I was wrapping it up near the end that, you know, although we do not know the future of the virus in this country or, you know, what universities are going to decide to do. It is not. It is possible that any fan that wants to participate in being in the stadium is going to have to sign a similar waiver for the university. It is possible that every single student just coming to campus is going to end up having to sign a similar waiver for the university. So I saw it as a an interesting sort of peer into the future, not something to get not to throw my arms up about. Though reading the waiver, there's also the aspect of because it's the Buckeye pledge and the things that you're pledging to do are to follow very specifically all of the guidelines. Yeah. And I don't trust a 19 to 22 year old to very specifically follow all of the guidelines. (laughs) So it like, it almost sets it up and I cannot speak to the legality. I'm no good. Uh, I, I am not a lawyer, so I can't speak to the legality of the document, but it does seem uh, like one of those documents that says, uh, even if you were to try to, um, you know, to, to to come at the school, the school would then try to use the document to say, hey, but you pledged that you weren't going to go to any of these parties. And man, we've got proof you were at this party. Sorry, bud. Not our liability. Like it, it very much seems like a play, not necessarily specifically to protect yourself from lawsuits, but probably more than anything to just appease the insurance company that has the Mm -hmm. umbrella policy for your school. Yeah. And in a way it's not the same thing, but like the reaction to it that we saw is in the same vein as the OAN t-shirt in that, I mean, there are a lot of problems and legit concerns about the way that this is going down where, these players are back on campus to play football, but if, if football wasn't such a huge driver of money, there's a good chance they wouldn't be back and they might be held out a little longer and they would not be in the situation they are. So there are a lot of problems and concerns in that aspect, which just go on top of a lot of problems and concerns with the entire relationship between schools and student athletes and the balance of power and money. So then this waiver is just kind of like another little thing on top where it's just, okay, what the hell is this? And everybody kind of overreacts to it. I, I understand why. 
I don't think the waiver is a big deal. I think it's probably going to be, like you said, Chip, it's it's probably going to be the norm in a lot of facets of life over the next few months as the country as a whole starts trying to get back to the, you know, the 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 normal manner that we used to exist in. Are you doing anything to say new normal? Uh, or not to say new normal? Are you trying to ban yeah, it? Yeah, I don't because I mean. <laughs> no, it's just it's such a cliche thing to say but yeah. at the same time it's like of all the times in our life where it actually might make sense to say it <laughs> we'll see coming up on the other side you know the uh you know the schools the cpu tom Fernelli tech barton a&m we're trying to put together the best quarterback room in the country next as one door closes, another opens. The 2020 fantasy baseball season is over, but 2021 prep is just beginning. Join Scott White and me, Frank Stample, on Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, as we take an early look at position previews, review mock drafts, and react in real time to the MLB hot stove. Not only that, we'll be welcoming in some of the best guests in the industry to try and figure out what was real and what wasn't from the abbreviated 60-game season. Listen Tuesdays and Thursdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found. Welcome to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. Do me a favor and blink, please. Did you blink? That's how fast the Major League Baseball season went in 2020. The postseason is already upon us. Whether it's baseball news, you on NFL, college football, water polo, chess, movies... If there's a story, we'll have it covered every weekday, five days a week. Just subscribe and download on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever else you find your podcasts. No BS, no soft tosses, no hot takes. You know, it's always business. It's nothing personal. All right. Let's take a look at uh, let's take a look at the quarterbacks across all of college football here's the activity we are trying i guess we're going to go four rounds does that work yep four four man room sounds right four man room uh all the scholarships i got available yeah i mean how many scholarships (laughs) you want me to hand out to a quarterback i mean i got a chase bryce walk-on spot right here ready to go Uh, so we, we're going to be trying to put together and there's a lot of different ways to attack this. Uh, we can see how it goes in the, um, but how each coach decides to put together their room. I'm going to use the regular season standings of last year's locks, which would mean Tom gets the first pick. Uh, no, Barton gets the first pick. Tom gets the second Damn. chip gets the third. So uh, yeah, seven fifty four and five in the, can the regular I tra- season. Can I trade? Can I trade down to to any? Oh, do you just not want one? <laughs> I mean, I would if if who is let's see, uh, Chip. I will trade you straight up one for three. Okay. All right. Sweet. Now, I before we start, are Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields draftable, or are we yeah. leaving them out? No, I think they're draftable. We're we're drafting this room 
to be your quarterback room heading into the 2020 season, correct? Okay, cool. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure because yeah. there was some discussion in the text thread this morning that we might just not include them. Yeah, no. I, I thought yeah, that yeah. they were obvious, and I thought that that meant that the person in third would be uh, a little bit disadvantaged, but the person in first just traded his pick away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the third pick, so, straight up. For the Didn't third even pick. ask for a later pick. <laughs> so therefore, I'm uh, with the first pick – we're not doing snake, right? Just one, two, three, one, two, three. No, 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 no. I, I assumed snake. Yeah, That's I assumed why snake. I oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let me go. Tom. With the first pick in the quarterback draft, the CPU takes Trevor Lawrence. Terrible pick. Wow, you're going to live to regret that one. Just <laughs> So you are running a... Uh, kind of a, a pro style spread that's that is one of my options right now i mean we just okay. we we got out there and we wanted to make sure that we not only brought in uh, a, a certified generational talent but also a leader in his community because remember at cpu it's not there a four-year decision it's a 40-year decision that's right <laughs> all right tom <laughs> Oh, gee, golly, shucks. <laughs> I don't know which direction I should go with the second pick. I think I'll take the guy who threw 41 touchdowns with only three interceptions and then ran for a bunch of more touchdowns last season, too. I'll take Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. Welcome to Fernelli Tech, Justin. All right, the fly sweep doesn't inflate those standings, but I do I do agree he was probably best available. Now the most fascinating school uh, on the board, uh, Barton A&M. With the swing spot, yeah, Barton A and M. We 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 consider ourselves a bit of a maverick program. You know, we're not going to play by y'all's rules. Uh, what we are going to do is get the best quarterback in college football, North Dakota State. Oh, boo! <laughs> boo! <laughs> oh man, what a hey, neutral! You, you passed up Trevor Lawrence for Trey Lance. Listen, here's the deal. Ah. Uh. Okay, I'm not. I didn't I'm pass. Drunk. Here's the deal. <laughs> when you look, when 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 Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks are telling me that Trey Lance has maybe the best film of any of the top three quarterbacks, I'm gonna listen. And when North Dakota State is about to go about seven straight years with an NFL draft pick at quarterback between three different guys. I'm going to believe that they've got a pretty good uh, idea of how to develop the position. So I think I'm getting a guy that's very athletic, that has never turned the ball over in his college football life, and who has as much upside as any of these other guys, and I'm going to get him at a discounted price. I'm not saying he is the best, but I am saying that, look, he might be close enough to where you guys enjoy your one year with Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. I'll enjoy my one year for Trey Lance. We'll let the chips fall. We'll see where they all get drafted. And while you guys are scrambling for your next guy, I'll be sitting here with Bryce Young, Ah. my number four pick, who is the next best quarterback in college football. I do. Snake draft, right? 
No, you traded first for third. You didn't trade all of your picks. Oh, whoa, whoa, wha. hold on. Oh, no, whoa, no, whoa. No, I, no, I, no. I, I was under the impression I was trading draft order. Yeah. Hey, oh, yeah. Agree. Okay. I thought you guys were just trading picks. No. no. Then, like, what's the point? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, no, no, this is okay. This is that's why I thought you were a moron. This okay. makes more sense. Okay. I thought uh, you were just like, I'll just give you one for three straight up. No, <laughs> I was no, like, no, Wait, no. I thought I was okay. Uh, commission. We'll get the commissioner to approve this, but I, I thought I was trading my draft order. I no. Nope. Okay. Agree. I agreed to. I agreed to the trade based on the same premise. All right. Cool. Now that that may. Who? Okay. I was. I was getting worried, Barton. I was getting very worried. <laughs> All right, Tom. Back to you. Well, gee, Bryce Young is gone. Means I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need somebody ready to step in as my starter next year. After Justin Fields leaves for the NFL, good thing I've got Kadan Slovis just mm-hmm. sitting there. All right. As my backup. Yeah, I know. I know. See, the, and this is a spot where as I'm sitting here on the if turn. If Bryce Young was there, would you have taken uh, Bryce Young or would you have taken Keaton Slovis? I'd have taken Keaton Slovis. Okay. I'd have taken, uh, I yeah, I understand his approach. Now, I'm, I'm kind of, I will say I'm stuck here. With Trevor Lawrence, who is in all likelihood gone after 2020. I'm looking at my board. I, I see a Derek King, 50 touchdowns last time he played a full season. But I, I mean, Sam Ellinger, an actual senior, gracious. A Tanner Morgan. Like there's it, there's a lot of a lot of good older players that I did block myself out of with my um bringing on Trevor Lawrence early. But when you've got a, the opportunity to get a generational talent. You got to do it. So to to really bolster the future of the room, uh, for my pick at the turn, my two picks will be rising sophomores Sam Howell and Jaden Daniels. Damn. Yeah, I mean that's building a top flight, deep quarterback room. You of course know that after this season, assuming. That those guys, like, because here's the deal: like, those guys are going to be competing for a starting job with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence probably wins that job. I, we're we're going to work under the assumption those guys stick around this year, but certainly after next year, whoever loses that job is going to transfer out. So you're you you're left with one, and whoever your next pick is. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the that's the gamble. Now I do. We are starting to no longer. You know, just focus in on what our uh, system is going to be. But uh, we do have in Lawrence and Howell uh, some just dynamic. In Lawrence and Howell, you've just got big arms, great at pushing the ball down the field. In Howell and Daniels, some super clutch gene. Both of those guys with some stellar fourth quarter play last year and room to grow. So, so far for the CPU, uh, I like where we're at. Tom, you're up next. All right. Well, I need to get some some young blood in the room. I need somebody to learn. You can have Bryce Young, Barton, because I'm taking DJ Ugalele. Uyunglele. Uyunglele. Yeah, that's I, I, that makes sense. Makes a ton of sense. So he so he is behind Justin. He, he's probably going to be redshirting this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, you basically have Clemson's quarterback room so far. Just replace Trevor with Justin. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. What do you? What are uh, the chances? Do you think that uh, DJ Uyanga? Repeat it one more time. I'm going to get it. Uyangalale. Uyangalale. 
What are the chances that DJ Uyangalale uh, sees significant time on the field for Clemson this year? I'd say they're pretty likely. I think so too. I mean, I, I think he's going to get a lot of a lot of burn in those blowouts, and they're going to try to get him some get his feet wet, get him comfortable, so that you know he's when the time comes next year, he's he's ready. Didn't uh, I think that it was against Charlotte last year? Trevor Lawrence didn't play after the first quarter, and I see a lot more of those games on the horizon for Lawrence. So uh, Tom's Tom's quarterback looking uh, looking like we might see some more of him. All right, Barton. Yeah, I mean, I I think the I think the other backup Tyson Pumashan is likely a. Uh, I mean, I think they're going to try to get both those guys a lot of reps. Honestly, I bet they try to tr- sort of treat it as if there's some sort of a, you know, competition. Not that there is, but they'll they'll try to sort of give those guys both some opportunities. Um, for my next pick, uh, so I've got. I've got Trey Lance. I've got Bryce Young. You've Trey got, Lance is my. You've got not a lot that is proven at the FBS level. Uh, no. Um, but I have. I, I'm very confident in my room, though, and I'm going to have Trey Lance as my starter. Obviously, this year, I expect him to be drafted in the first round after the season. Bryce Young, I would expect steps into that role as a redshirt freshman or true sophomore as my starter and my quarterback of the future. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to draft Jaquindon Jackson out of the University of Texas. He is a true freshman this year. He might have been the best player in the state of Texas last year in terms of just pure high school football. He's a dual-threat quarterback. If he hits, he's maybe a Dak Prescott type, um, maybe uh, a Tim Tebow type, but... In this spot, as I'm building this quarterback room, I like that he's got the opportunity to excel at another position if he doesn't hit, whether that be uh, linebacker, safety, H-back, receiver. uh, He can do a lot of different things, so I think I'm going to give myself some flexibility in the room uh, with Jaquindon Jackson. Hmm. All right. Who's your other one? Oh, I'm just back to me again, right? Okay, so – the other one, this is a little bit inside baseball, like uh, because there's no I such just, thing as baseball anymore. <laughs> right, right. I understand no one really like like maybe a few of the the people that follow twenty four seven and the recruiting stuff know these guys, but this is another true freshman, uh, Evan Prater, who's committed, signed with Cincinnati. All right, God, what a I deep cut. Th- this is another guy who is. You know, he's probably not ready right away. And and so maybe behind Bryce Young, he he's red shirts. Maybe it's a red shirt junior year before he plays. But I think he could be he could be like the as good as anybody in that class. Really versatile, really athletic, uh, big time basketball player, just getting going, just the best athlete on the field kind of kid. Uh, I, I think that that guy's gonna be a, a baller for Cincinnati. Won't be starting this year, but in the future. And so if I get him just as the guy to sort of mold and groom on the back end, uh, I feel pretty good about that room. What uh, youth movement for uh, for Barton to round it out. So that is Trey Lance, Bryce Young, Jaquindon Jackson, and Evan Prater. So I'm sacrificing – basically I'm sacrificing the security blanket of an experienced backup – 
for the upsides of a long-term room. Right. And also position flexibility. And position flexibility. Yeah. All right. Man, that is the that is the neutral milk hotel of uh, quarterback drafts right there. <laughs> um, all right, Tom, you're up next. All right. I've got my unquestioned starter Heisman candidate in Justin Fields. We've got Keaton Slovis, who is a quality backup and a guy who, once Fields leaves, could, you know, hold on and earn the starting job and keep it himself. I've got I've got the young phenom, the the DJU waiting in the wings. He's gonna red shirt. And I feel like he's gonna need He's going to need a little more competition because, you know, at Fernelli Tech, we don't, you know, it's a crucible. All right. Only, only the best survive to be the best. You've got to beat the best. So I'm going to take CJ Stroud, another very young five-star quarterback. We're waiting on an Ohio State commit because I feel like I've got the present taken care of with Fields and Slovis in case Fields goes down and I need a, I need a backup with experience. And now I've got the future, a competition for the future already between DJ and CJ. All the J's. Give them to me. CJ was actually it was out for my last pick. It was either going to be Evan Prater or CJ Stroud. So I I, I definitely like that pick. CJ Stroud, all right. He's on the roster right now, right? Because we've yeah twenty twenty yes. class. Yeah. Okay. He is a true freshman. He's CJ. he's he remains Justin Fields' backup in either realm. Now I'm I'm gonna have to I, I'm probably gonna have to make some moves on the recruiting trail. And uh, to solidify things moving forward, you know, be with the the way that my room is going to be rounded out. But I do want to get somebody with a couple years of eligibility left, even if it, it's going to make it a little bit of a log jam with Sam Howell and Jaden Daniels. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Alan Bowman from Texas Tech, who uh, obviously exploded during his freshman season, took a red shirt during his sophomore year. And as I was putting together my uh, as I was putting together my draft board for this for this activity, I'm thinking to myself, would you rather have another player uh, who only has one year of eligibility left in your room when almost certainly if they haven't been drafted by now, they are probably not going to get ahead of Trevor Lawrence, Sam Howell, or Jane Daniels. So you know why not have it be uh, somebody with some experience at the Power Five level? who you know is going to be ready to answer the call because he's done it before to just come in and sling that rock. You know we're going to have good wide receivers at CPU. You know we're going to be flashy. It's a party school. You know, everything's very surface level for us. And Alan Bowman can really come in and uh, and give us the edge we need to have some 50 to 43 games that'll make everybody uh, real happy and hanging out in the stadium, buying a lot of concessions during our long spread-infused games. I like that pick. That's a nice like, uh, and you know when he comes in, like he's gonna come in and he's gonna, he's gonna mount some furious fourth quarter comeback, and there's gonna be a cult following for him, and everyone he's gonna be the most popular guy on the campus, uh, and you got some a security blanket in him sitting on the bench. So I'm 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 feeling you on that one. So uh, the CPU is Trevor Lawrence, Sam Howell, Jaden Daniels, and Alan Bowman. Roast my team. I'd say you have the you're like if we were to put this to a vote amongst our cover three listeners, I would assume you would win because you have the be, like those are definitely the four best quarterbacks right now. Good but you know when the when the 
when your depth chart is empty in a year because they've all transferred out. (laughs) Good luck. Uh, Tom's quarterback room, Justin Fields, Keaton Slovis, DJU, and CJ Stroud. Try to beat it. Go ahead. We're, we're, we're taking care of for like at least the three, four years. And who knows who we're going to be bringing in in our next few recruiting classes. Just add to that room. I mean, I see three or four Heismans in my QB room right now. I see a big, uh, a big mix up in identity. I hope that you're ready to be very multiple. I know that all college uh, football coaches want to be multiple and aggressive, but you've, you've got a wide range of uh, a wide range of quarterbacking styles there. Listen, at Fernelli Tech, we are on the leading cutting edge of technology and life, and we adapt our team to our players. We could play with anybody, Chip. We could play with you. That's how good we are. And at Barton A&M, we've got Trey Lance, Bryce Young, Jaquindon Jackson, and Evan Prater. I don't... Can I... Yeah. Go ahead. I, I just... I don't... I don't see I see a lot of dark horse stocks, you know? Mm-hmm. I see I see a lot of like uh, I, I see a lot of the same kind of picks that I make when I'm in NFL fantasy leagues, which means that I always finish fourth in these fantasy leagues cuz I always I, take college players way too high that I like. Okay. All right. So, this is actually my strategy in NFL fantasy leagues. I haven't played fantasy football in several years. But when I played, I was, I was, I was pretty good. Like I won, I won most of our, the time. And and the reason I would the the reason I would have success is because while everyone was drafting the, you know, the guy that had the great year last year, I was trying to draft the guy that was going to be that like find the value. And so that's that's going to be my 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 mentality uh, across the board is try to find the value. I do want to. Um, uh, bring up a few of the names that I considered. Y'all want to hear a few of these guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sure. I considered picking up Max Dugan, Max Duggan somewhere along the way from mm-hmm. TCU. Look, you know, b- backup guy, a little volatility. Maybe he could use a year to sit back on the bench and, and develop, but whenever he gets back in, again, there's that upside there. I thought about maybe Will Levis somewhere from Penn State. If you remember – Against, uh, I think it was Ohio State. Was it the Sean Clifford went down? It was actually Will Levis that sort of gave them the spark, and they looked like they had a chance to to, to actually compete with. Uh, big arm, really athletic, massive kid, uh, and again, so like he's he'll be a, a fresh, you know, he'll be a sophomore this year. Uh, if he ever like, he could be the guy that hits for Penn State. It's just he might not. Um, Joe Milton, similarly at Michigan, kind of had a similar thought process with and then uh in the jaquin and jackson mold anthony richardson at florida who's a true freshman who's like six five and runs a four six and is like a kind of a keton thompson type and then the last guy i thought about throwing on there is fresh off his lds mission at stanford tanner mckee probably probably sitting there like 20 21 years old as a you know true freshman uh, you know, some maturity in the room might be nice to to throw into the mix. I am. I love the idea that a 21 year old is like bringing maturity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about me funneling beer at 21. Like, yeah, we could use some of his maturity in the room. So the the Spencers did not get a touch. Sophomore no, Spencer, yeah. sophomore Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State, I had on my big board, but avoided. 
Uh, freshman Spencer Rattler, who is one of the highest names on a lot of Heisman Trophy odds boards, I didn't even have on my list to, to draft. I think that that's a, another unproven entity that I'm not ready to, to saddle up with. I, I think Spencer Rattler is, has shown tons of reasons, uh, including his high school production, his talent rating, to suggest that him plus Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma offense, it's going to equal success. But I, I was interested that when it came time to make these tough de- decisions at CPU, Neither Spencer Rattler nor Spencer Sanders uh, was getting picked up. I had Rattler on my list. It's just after I took Slovis, he kind of became, you know, like a came too similar as far as my backup in that same situation. And I'd rather if I was going to go with two guys who hadn't started yet, I'd rather go with dudes who were incoming freshmen than guys who were, you know, going to be starting this year. Because I feel like once Fields graduated, if neither DJ or CJ are ready to take over the job, I've already got a ready-made replacement in Keaton Slovis. Uh, Spencer Rattler was the number one quarterback in the country and a five-star coming out of high school. I just don't – I don't know how much longer he's going to be satisfied sitting on the bench yeah. behind Trey Lance. So I, I, <laughs> I went ahead and let him, let him do his thing. I think the best undrafted player, uh, regardless of team needs – I'm going to say Tanner Morgan. He was on my he was he was on my list if I didn't get Fields or Lawrence. I would have taken Tanner Morgan if I had the third pick. You would have taken Tanner Morgan over mm-hmm. I'm a guy. Tanner Morgan stan. Okay. Anybody I got the advanced stats to back it up, baby. Barton anybody on your board left undrafted? Uh, that you would consider in a quarterback ranking style to be worthy of, uh, you know, top consideration, best available among the undrafted, I suppose. Uh, well, top, the top seven were the top. The top seven drafted were my top seven guys as well. Um, uh, so I don't know. I mean, Tanner Morgan would certainly be a candidate. There's, uh, I guess, Brock Purdy. Um, Purdy. Out that's Trask. true. I had Ian Book in case I went really young early and wanted like a veteran backup to teach him. I, I put Kellen Mond on there and laughed. <laughs> no, no, Kellen Mond did not make my list. Uh, uh, I had Dylan Gabriel, Michael Cunningham, Hendon Hooker, Michael Penix, Davis Mills, Hank Bachmeyer. These these are all guys on the board. Yeah, I had Brady White. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. Brady White would be a, would be a fantastic backup. I think that Brady White's been in the game so long that if in our in our <laughs> he can be like a mid-year enrollee, like maybe he joins the program and plays in the bowl game. If right. we get an injury and all of a sudden need somebody to come and fill in, he just got that kind of he's got that kind of vet that you see in the NBA that might sign with the team midway through the year. Right. <laughs> just like pick up the offense, just just come in, teach the young guys the offense. Yeah. And hand it off. Yeah. yeah. That's that's what I'm thinking, uh, but I I like it. If let us know on Twitter, by the way, um, which of these teams or which of these quarterback rooms you think was the most well drafted. Uh, you can follow it at Cover Three Podcast. If you want to submit a question for the mailbag, the mailbag is always open. All you got to do is you got to go find the Cover Three Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five star review, and in that review, put a question for the mailbag. We'll add it to the big old bag of mail, which I suspect we will be opening uh, later this week on Thursday, and we will be continuing to monitor uh, what happens out of Stillwater. Don't forget uh, um, Cover Three 
Podcast, home of all your favorite emergency podcasts in college football. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fennell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Sir. Stage kicks off Tuesday on CBS All Access. There's nothing like it.